Hi, I'm Pete Seligman. Welcome to the Next Step Podcast. In this season, we're going to be focusing on search, search funds, entrepreneurship through acquisition, and all things related to that community and that ecosystem, particularly focusing on how can we build the marketplace in Australia and start to encourage more searchers to come to market and get to the point where they can own, operate their own business. On today's episode of the Next Step podcast, we speak to Nick Bamford, who's currently the Managing Director of SRO Technology. Now, it's an interesting story here because SRO Technology was the first business that I bought um, back in 2013, and I dropped in as CEO, Managing Director for about a three-year period. Um, now, fast forward to today, um, and I'm still a director on the board and, and a significant shareholder. And in the last 12 months, Nick has dropped in to help us continue to grow and evolve that business through a piece of consulting work. And then as a result, um, he bought into the company um, and also took on that managing director role. So now he's effectively managing director for our business um, and also a co-shareholder on the register. So really exciting to have him on the call today. And what we're going to be talking about is trying to understand what does search look like from the searcher's perspective, you know, right at the front line um, and talk a bit about Nick's background and what he thinks made search a good path for him, but also some of the things that maybe he expected that didn't turn out the way that he thought they were going to. Um, we touch on a bit of his history. Um, he's quite modest, so he'll he'll skim over the fact that he actually took his dad's business from 10 employees to 80 employees in Aberdeen, which was in the oil and gas industry. Um, but part of that you know, first-hand operational experience is what's made him such a great operator in the operating phase of a search fund investment. So now we're going to drop straight in when I start uh, the chat with Nick, and I hope you enjoy it. Hey, Nick, how are you going? Hey, Pete. Yeah, good to see you. Thanks very much for coming on this episode. We're really keen to chat to you today because you've come directly from the front line. So one of the things about search that I really, really enjoy is the fact that it's involves so much grit and reality. You know, when you first get involved with a business, there's not a lot of distance between you and the front line of that business in every sense, whether it goes to the back office, the front office, the customers, the processes, supply chain, everything. And you've definitely lived through all of that as part of your experience in the last couple of years, but also through your career. So to kick things off, it'd be great to get a feel from you around how did you get to this point? You know, how did you get to search and, and what brought you here? Yeah, super. So I guess uh, starting at the end, I'm uh, managing director of SRO Technology. We're a measurements uh, company that serves bulk material handling. So going way back, my background is in engineering science in, in oil and gas. So I worked early in my career on product development, big projects, lots of capital stuff. I sort of rode the, the resources boom and bust. And post-MBA at University of Queensland, I uh, did a stint as a strategy consultant in London, which was awesome, a fantastic learning opportunity. But yeah, I got the sort of got the, the, the itch to get back into sort of more direct role and, and sort of smaller businesses. I, and I briefly considered startup and I was looking around for someone who needed more of an operational skill set, sort of the, the bright spark ideas. And I literally got an email through from Harvard Business Review, which said, why well, you should buy a small business. And it was spruiking, uh, spruiking a book, which I bought. I read it on a skiing holiday and I went back to the office. I think I did another six, eight months in consulting after that. 
But once the idea was planted, that was it. Couldn't get Uh, rid of it. Yeah. So I was in London at the time, living with my wife. We were quite keen to come back to Australia. And I sort of started putting the two ideas together with, well, I want to do this search thing and end up running a small mid-sized business. And also I want to go back to Australia. And I started looking at the Australian market. I realized it was pretty much virgin territory for for some of these concepts, some of the concepts that were being taught in the US business schools. And so I put the two together and uh, it jumped on a plane. And I'm sure we'll get into the details, but I uh, I ran a self-funded search, bought a maintenance company serving uh, the quarry sector, which I have since sold. Did it when I was doing a little bit of consulting in, in and about, as sort of in a roundabout way, came across yourself, Pete and Ian. And just as I was lighting up to do another search, I realized I could probably, I could get a sim- similar result in a similar place in my career. We can um, shortcut so this. <laughs> being the second, almost like the second generation to your and Ian's kickoff. Yeah. Um, so and um, now running, now running SRO technology. Just a bit about, I mean, something that I know about your history, just because of, you know, obviously we've had a range of conversations. Take me back actually to Scotland and take me back to oil and gas, but in particular, take me back to your family's involvement in that whole process. Because I think that's a really interesting, you know, it was more than just I've been exposed to these industry sectors. It was actually, I've been exposed to these industry sectors in a family environment. Yeah, so I guess that experience was, uh, well, I graduated in 08, right into the teeth of financial crisis. So I'll take a year out, went backpacking around Australia. And when I came back to Aberdeen, I was sat around the kitchen table with my parents and I was sitting there complaining about how I couldn't find a job. And my dad was sitting there complaining how he couldn't find good engineers. And I actually took my mum to, to put the two of us together. So maybe, maybe you go, <laughs> Whilst you were sitting actually, there. Yeah. yeah. Why don't <laughs> you guys, you guys go and have a cup of coffee and then you might be able to find an answer to both of those questions. Yeah. Uh, so so my, my dad actually started, he had a startup company in, in oil and gas developing new oil field tools. He's got a weird and wonderful background from mud logger, geologist, well site engineer, salesman. He'd done every, every job in the industry. They had this crazy idea to reduce the cost of, of drilling, got some seed funding from oil companies, and I joined as engineer number 10. It was 10, 10 or 11. I came in just as the company was taking off. I don't take credit for the sort of the initial ideas or the sales, but what I found myself very quickly in the role of was, was around the operations, because my dad was a fantastic ideas guy, a hate structure hates processes and systems. He can't stand any of that, but he realizes the va- he realized the value of it. And what I found myself as well as engineering, running projects, managing customers and doing all the frontline stuff, I found myself putting in the infrastructure and the operational ability for us to grow from sort of engineer, you know, 11 engineers up to, I think, peak we had, we were about 80, 80 heads. So just go, we went through about three different, evolutions of company growth as part of that, one of which was my older brother joining the business as on, on the sales side. And then we bought him out in 2012 after we had a couple of the original projects came to an end. He wanted out. So my brother and I bought the old man out and we, we, we basically had to restructure and re, refocus the company together. So you've been effectively without even realizing that that was almost your first search. Because yeah, I think, a, a yeah. lot of a lot of what I think it's easy to forget, strangely enough, in the search vernacular is the fact that a large proportion of what you need to be able to do is that operating phase. And and actually that scaling process, it, it's a scale up 
process, not a startup process, and having experience of going into a family-run, family-owned, potentially unstructured organisation with great ideas and good energy and somehow professionalising that so it can scale is a lot of where the value gets created in these models. And so in Aberdeen, sitting around the kitchen table, you actually ignited your first (laughs) kind of search experience. Does that, I mean, that's what it kind of feels like from that story. Yeah, absolutely. A lot, a lot of searches, that management transition, that generational shift. And I lived that in the, the fir- first part of my career. I guess, as you say, without, without fully knowing that was, that was what we were doing. But, you know, things like things that I've used post-search, you know, post-search in the operating phase, things like putting in ERP systems, engineering processes, ISO 9001. These are all things that I was doing with Dad in, in Aberdeen at the start of my career. So after that, then you spent some time in kind of top-tier consulting, which obviously gave you a feel for what bigger business looks like and how larger organizations are taking care of problems and improving efficiencies. How did you find, you know, one of the, the things that I'm keen to get out of this conversation is not only what makes a searcher, so what does that kind of storyline look like? And definitely a part of what comes out most often, which has also come out here, is this fact that there were indicators along the way early in the journey that it might be something that would suit you, right? So that we've already seen. One of the things also is what are they? What does searchers take from the range of their experience that they then bring to not only the search but the operating phase. And what have you found from that kind of bigger business management consulting kind of experience that you've brought? What are the bits that you've successfully brought from that into the search and small business world? And also, what are the bits that you think don't necessarily fit as well? Yeah, that's a great question. The experience in small business at the start of my career taught me how to execute. I was very good at getting stuff done, getting the right people in the right place to get to the goal. But even at the time, if you'd said, what, what did you do last year? What, why did you do that? I would have no idea. I was doing a lot on gut, gut instinct and just getting the job done. I think what strategy consulting taught me was how to think, how to think about what I'm going to do and how to justify it. And it kind of, that consulting environment takes it to the next level where your product is your, your thoughts and your, your insights from the analysis that you do. So you have to be right. And I think that the dynamic that I found putting the two together is how important is it to be right versus getting it done? Mm. If we just do getting it done, we're not going to be any better. We don't add more value than the startup founder, the guy who started the maintenance business out the back of his truck. He can get it done. He can probably get it done better than you. So you need to bring some thought. But if you bring all thought and no getting it done, you're going to get yourself tied up in knots. And I think that's one of the key skills for the searcher to put together is whether you come from an operating background or from a consulting background, is being very conscious when making decisions about whether you're going with your gut, whether you're going with your thought, and whether you've got the right part of the toolbox open at the right time. That's a fantastic response. That's perfect because that's actually really actionable too. I think it's similar to that dynamic around how do you decide when you should be working in the business or on the business. It's a different paradigm but a similar kind of judgment call that you need to be making. And a lot of people ask that question like, should I be spending more time on the business or in the business or should I be you know, using my head or my gut for these particular things? And where I always end up is you can't 
answer that question in terms of a phase of maturity or a stage the business is in. You can only answer that question item by item, issue by issue. Like even if we think about what we're doing right now with with SRO technology, there are certain things there where it must be in the business where the action is happening. And there are other things where it must be on the business where things are happening. It's not just, okay, now the business is at this age and stage. So therefore, it goes from all in to all on um, or all gut to all thinking. It's this constant balancing act that you're doing between those two ends of the spectrum. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, one sort of very practical example I'd bring is I've got a couple of decks sitting on my desktop, probably half half built, of just lighting up analyses that I want to do, you know, really in-depth stuff on the market about where we're going to go next. And I haven't done the analysis and, I, and, and some of it I've moved on from. I've, I've actually just taken a decision, taken a step back from the from the PowerPoint and the Excel, and gone. It's it's Mackay stupid. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's 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 do that. Yeah. And yeah, you know what? I might might I might might have had I spent two weeks doing that consulting analysis. You know, might might have come up with a with a better answer. But it's chasing perfect at the expense of just getting it done. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that's one of the things where if you think about all the different types of people that might come to search as a model for themselves, you'll get people from all that variety of background. You know, some people that come much more from that consulting end of the spectrum and some that come much more from the operating end. And I think being a bit self-aware around what are your triggers and where's your kind of comfort zone and then being aware that you need those other parts of the spectrum as well and knowing how to build your team around you, I think is pretty important. How do you address that? So I think building the team is probably the number one job of the CEO, getting the right people around you, properly motivated, properly with the right direction, all pulling together is probably the most important thing that you do as a as an operator, but it doesn't mean that there aren't other things. And I think when you build that team recognizing where you're coming from, what your background is, key to picking the right people and promoting the right people around you. And it's always a bit of a challenge because typically in the businesses that we're looking at, you don't have a whole bunch of EBITDA to go and spend on six, you know, a head of strategy and, and six business analysts to, to put under them. You have to prioritize and you have to be able to pick up new skills. So if you don't like sales, but you know that that's where you need a bit of extra grunt and you can't afford a salesman. Well, well guess what? You know, you can, you can learn that stuff. You can get out, get out there on the road and you can, can fill the gap. Yeah. So what was the thing when you finally, you know, you said you had that Harvard email that you received and they said, here's this model that you should try. And then you obviously developed your thinking and moved to Australia and went through that whole process. After then getting to the other side of the equation, whether that be even just post-acquisition or even post-exit, if you were then to reflect back to that email that you received from Harvard and the expectations that created, what turned out to be most similar to what you thought it was going to be? You know, what turned out is, is exactly as you thought and hoped? And what was furthest from the truth <laughs> that you thought that you were embarking on? Like, what surprised you the most about the journey? So I think the journey, and I had recently had a really interesting chat with a searcher who asked me what my best day in, in, in the whole process was, and I didn't have an answer. And I, I had to go away and think about it. So, I, so the, and I actually got back to him and I said, with a mantra, which is uh, celebrate the small wins, the, the rhythm of a life well lived. I say the, the rhythm of a, of, of, a, of a successful entrepreneurial journey. I don't think, and I'd be interested in your view on this as well, Pete, I don't think there's too many ticker tape 
moments and champagne corks popping. I did actually crack open a bottle of champagne when I closed the first deal. There wasn't a big celebration and a party. That's the start of the hard work. I think in terms of the in terms of the expectation, I perhaps thought you know, more highs, more highs and lows. Yeah, I think I was expecting my brain power just from being a consultant, where your brain power counts for so much of your success in the role. It doesn't count for for much at all. I think in in the search, there are probably other skills. I mean, you still. You've got to be got to be on top of things. You've got to be intellectually curious, but I think that brain power accounts for far less than some of the softer skills like empathy. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because I think there's a, probably a few reasons for that. I mean, I think it goes to leverage. So if you've got large organizations with big teams and diverse capabilities, you can leverage the output of high levels of brain power, so to speak, and see the kind of cause and effect of deploying that brain power. Whereas when you've got small teams and operations of a scaling business, you really need to be working as hard as you can with the groups of people that you're working with. I mean, every business is subject to a constraint on resources, but even more so in smaller businesses. So there's only so many hours in the day that the team has, and there's so many, only so many kind of new ideas or new concepts or new changes that they can actually swallow and then deploy. So you're right, your ability to have empathy with that team and engage them in the right way and focus and prioritize on the right things makes makes a massive difference, absolutely. I also think strategy in small, medium businesses isn't that hard. It's far more, I mean, difficult strategic questions I faced in the past. So global chemicals company, only 30% of their products are profitable. They're declining market share in the ones that are profitable. They're costs are going up and they're buffeted by regulatory burdens and they're potentially facing a shareholder revolt. That's a difficult strategic question. Mm. Yeah. I sell a lot of stuff to mines. Where should I grow? Where should I look to grow next? Mm. And you look at a picture of Australia and where the mines are, you know, yeah. you're going to be pretty close. But you know what? It's all it's all in the execution. Yeah. So it's all well and good to to come up with a fantastic strategy for the chemicals company, and they've got the capital to be able to deploy and to put teams of people to pull together to to execute on it. Whereas as a small business, you kind of go right. Here's our market entry strategy, and we're going to go here, and we're going to be winning these customers. You've got to think of things like, well, where are we going to find these people? Do we have enough money? Do we have the cash flow to to, to pay them? In the interim, are we going to set up an office? I mean, we've rented a house in Mackay. That was one of our strategic moves, a residential property. Mm. So I think far more the ability to, to roll the sleeves up and execute and make and get it right, get the execution done well is, is more important than the, the sort of the, the really high-end, you know, real thought process strategy stuff. There, there's always that conversation or that phrase where ideas are cheap and execution is where the value is created, right? So, yeah. and, and I think that's no, no more so than in, in a smaller business. Because if you speak to any of you, I mean, even, you know, over a few beers or a coffee, you speak to some mates about what's going on. Pretty quickly, anyone that has half an idea about the kind of business that you're running will have three ideas for growth that you might be able to deploy. Oh, have you tried this? Have you tried this? And have you tried this? And they're probably good ideas. The difference is whether or not you can actually then execute them. <laughs> so, And I'll add to that. There's probably three things that have been tried before, just poorly executed yeah. that you can jump on. Yeah. Um, I think um, I mean, just, just thinking about the, the expectations, I think as a consultant, I've done a bunch of stuff in M&A and deal sourcing due diligence. I probably put too much weight on the on the actual search process. Mm. My initial thought of I'm going to do all this M and A stuff, and I've kind of got experience of it. 
what I ended up actually doing was painting by numbers. Mm. I literally took the Stanford Guide, the Jim Stein, Jim Stein Sharp blog. Mm. I followed that almost to the letter. My physical letters I sent out, heavily based on, on other searchers' material, I didn't do anything clever. I'm not saying that there's, there's not an opportunity to, to do things clever, but I think if you've got the operating skills and you back yourself as a leader, you can get through the search phase without too much inspiration. And you can pull it from from others around you. You've got investors and mentors, you know, you get, get get great suggestions. But I think there's two parts of this. I think there's the skills that you need focus on the on the execution in terms of what's important, but also the motivation. When when I have searcher conversations, one question I always ask is, why do you want to do search? What's the the motivation? And to be fair, most of the people want the autonomy. They want to be running a company. They want to be leading people. They want a direct correlation between their reward and the and the results they're, they're putting into their work life. But occasionally, I get people saying, oh, I'm, I'm really keen to, to get into M&A. I really want to be in private equity. I'm like, well, this is not a good private equity. And probably, I think people have done the analysis. If you can get into private equity, you'll make more money doing that than sort of 98% of most searchers do with the, with the free carry of, a, of an investor group. Mm. Definitely look at the motivation as well as the skills. Yeah, that, and that's a really good point and probably a good segue, I guess, in, into the next bit that I want to talk to you about, which is if I'm sitting there and I'm you know an ex-consultant or I'm currently in kind of a middle management operational role or I've heard a little bit about search and I'm thinking about having a go at it, what sorts of questions do you think I should ask myself You've just raised a good one there around motivation. There's some ones, ones around skill set. But how do I best determine whether or not it's going to be the right kind of path for me based on the experience that you've had and the expectations you brought to it? And, you know, you had some operational experience, you had some small business experience, you had some large consulting experience. What should I be challenging myself with to determine whether or not this is a model that might suit me? Yes, absolutely. Number one is the, is the motivation. Is it what you want? And and, that, and a lot of that comes down to speaking with searchers, and especially speaking with searchers who have operated, which I understand is more, more difficult to get hold of sort of operating searchers. But really understanding what the day-to-day of a, of a managing director, CEO in a small, mid-sized business is, sort of big towers in the city generally. I, my first one was in a demountable in, a, in an industrial yard outskirts of Brisbane. And my sort of rubbishy little desk in the corner there, but it was my, you know, it was my desk. That was what was important. But really understanding what what walk in the walk looks like. It means dealing with difficult personnel issues. It means facing problems where there is no right answer and being comfortable with that. And I think that's that's a really good thing to understand. And even if you can't get hold of searchers who are operating through whatever networks you can, find people who who run businesses. Go to a bar and speak to the publican. They'll know what cash flow is. They'll know what pain, you know, the, the challenge of paying paying your people, managing suppliers, costs, challenges. That would be probably num- number one is really get your expectations sorted. It reminded um, me just then when you said that my my first desk actually at SRO Technology was a third hand student desk that was um, sitting in the corner of a half refurbished office in Miranda. So that was, oh. I was, I'd moved from the lofty heights of high rise Sydney CBD to my student desk. I think it had a broken leg as well, but I, I fixed that <laughs> shortly thereafter. But yeah, no, I, I definitely think that that kind of real life, what is this going to look like on the other side is, is, is a really good piece of advice. So I think that that would be the first one. I think risk appetite, absolutely. Now there's different, different models of entrepreneurship through acquisition. A lot of them will involve you as a searcher 
providing a personal guarantee to the bank or to the seller or whatever, you know, if there's debt involved, there's a good chance that you will be on the hook for everything that you own and more. And you really have to to understand what that is and, and be comfortable with it. Now, and there, there may be ways of searching without having to do that and structures. But if, you, if your business goes down and you end up owing money to the bank or to the, to the seller, there is a worst case scenario and it's worth it's worth addressing and you need to have that conversation with with partners, with family and, and understanding what potentially starting again looks like. Those situations are a few and far between. But I, yeah, I think understanding your risk profile is key. And that, that also sort of steers you towards the kind of search, the kind of structure that you might you might want to look at. Yeah. How would you put risk appetite, Pete? Yeah, risk appetite is is right up there. And I think it's a good way. It's quite often what turns people away when they start looking at it. You know, so quite often they'll they'll get excited about it. They'll start looking. They'll suddenly realise what the risk profile looks like, and then they'll turn away. And I think that that can be a good thing because they're being honest with themselves around what kind of risk they're willing to take. But I think for me, those two points of why do you want to do it? What's your motivation? And what's your appetite for risk? I think those two things really resonate with me in terms of advice for people that are considering it. And having done it myself, I think they're two really important aspects to think about. And the other thing that kind of comes out of the comments that you've just made, whether it be speaking to a business owner or someone else, quite often what people say when you're thinking about search is they'll say, go and speak to other people that have done it. And it's like when you're thinking about any career path, you should always go and speak to other people that have done it. But One of the things that I really enjoy about search is it's a really good community. There are searches not only in Australia, but also globally that are more than happy to give their time to speak to people about what their experience has been and how that might help other people have a go at it. So definitely seeking that you know, advice from people that have trodden the path, people like you, <laughs> is super valuable. So on that note, I'll bring the conversation to an end because we need to wrap up, but I'd be really keen to get you back on another episode. I know that you and I have spoken about getting a panel together and talking about a variety of topics on search. And so if that's all right with you, I'll, I'll definitely invite you back. That sounds brilliant, Pete. Really appreciate it. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks, Nick. See you soon. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, please jump onto LinkedIn and find the group Search and ETA Australasia. You can also send me a direct message and I'd be keen to connect.